What is up, guys? I am your host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. Welcome to this week's episode of the Jags Den podcast. Uh, I am joined, as always, by uh, by Jaguars wire guru, James Johnson, and, of course, Jacob DeLawrence. Gentlemen, how's it going? Good, man. Good that we uh, got a win this weekend. I mean, it, it almost gave me a heart attack. And the older I get, uh, you know, the worst cardiac problems the Jaguars give me. But uh, <laughs> that being said, I'll take a win any day of the week. And, uh, yeah, glad to be doing the show today. Yeah, my doc told me I should stop be living such a stressful life. I told him I cover the Jaguars. He said, I feel sorry <laughs> for you, son. Here's a prescription. So, yeah, I'm doing good. Mine is that. Hey, the cardiac cats? cats are back. I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, it was an ugly win, and we maybe I don't even I don't I'm not really sure that either team deserved to win that game, but <laughs> we we pulled it out uh, twenty to seventeen in overtime over the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, not uh, no, we're probably going to make that mistake a lot mm-hmm. here today. The Los Angeles Chargers. Um, I almost they, wrote uh, that on an article, like yeah, and I wasn't joking either. Like <laughs> I wasn't being sarcastic, <laughs> but. Yeah, well, it's okay. I don't even think I don't even think Los Angeles knows that the Chargers are there either. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, they'll be going in like two years anyway. So yeah, so it's all good. So um, of course, um, you you can catch this podcast on on multiple different uh, different links: iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, as well as TuneIn. Um, USA Today also recently added the podcast to their Audio Boom Network. So shout outs to them. Uh, we have a little bit of a, a special treat for you guys this week. We've been uh, broadcasting it here the last couple of days, and we'll we'll get into that interview here a little bit later. NFL insider Ian Rappaport, we spoke with him earlier in the day, and we will share that interview with him. It was a lot of fun, and shout out to to, to Ian for for joining us. We really appreciate that. But we're gonna go right into uh, get right into it into the ins and outs of the of the game. Um, the we're gonna go over the box score. Actually, Jay, why don't you? Uh, I thought I had that up here. Why don't you go over the, the, the box score with us here today? Yeah, so um, I guess uh, we'll start with the defensive side is uh, how I got it lined up. Um, Phillip Rivers, we uh, I won't say we stopped him, but we uh, neutralized him, so to speak. Uh, 21 of 37, uh, 235 yards, two touchdowns. And, of course, the one interception, which was the key interception of the game. And um, in terms of rushing and receiving, uh, Austin Eckler was the guy that got the best of us, uh, mostly in receiving uh, five catches for 77 yards, two touchdowns, um, and, and one of which, uh, I think, if I recall, one of which uh, Telvin Smith got set up on an illegal pick that should have got called. Yeah. Which we, we'll get on We'll get on into, like, the, the specifics of the game and the referees, which it was terrible officiating. We'll get into that in a little bit. Yeah. So uh, he led the way. In terms of receiving, um, one thing that uh, I did notice here is Keenan Allen was third in receiving. So good job on neutralizing him. Four receptions for 48 yards. And also on the ground, Melvin Gordon, who we held to 27 yards total out of 16 attempts. So that's uh, pretty much all of your chargers in terms of uh, the big time playmakers that they have. That's the box score on them. Yeah, they're pretty uh offensively both teams were a little bit under underwhelming uh, with the exception of a very very impressive Blake Bortles drive which we'll touch on here in a second I've got the uh, now the Jaguars box score pulled up here for us um but was there anything specific on the on the Chargers side that you guys saw that 
um, that maybe was it was a bad Chargers, good Jaguars, combination of both? Uh, good Chargers, bad Jaguars, because Eckler, I promise you, nobody heard of him besides his, besides his mama going into <laughs> Sunday. And I'm just watching the game like, who is this little five foot six, barely six feet little Danny Woodhead impersonator out here just carving up this quality defense? I mean, in his defense now, I did see some people uh, like label him as a dark horse. I forgot what site, but like somebody did mention him. I think it might have been Chargers Wire when we did the question, um, the Q&A. But they pointed him out as a guy that could like low key catch the Jags by surprise, which he did. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he definitely carved he us definitely up. definitely did that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, shout outs to my man Will Reeve, by the way, Chargers Wire uh, manager, as well as the Raiders Wire manager, who, um, you know, he put us in on game on the Chargers, and um, apparently he knows his stuff. So, <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, we definitely, uh, you know, we definitely weren't the only ones that were a little surprised by that performance. But uh, that being said, moving on to the Jaguars box score, Blake Bortles, um, Threw the ball 51 times. There was a point in the game where they, <laughs> at a certain point, they just gave up on the running game. And, and you know, you can't really argue with it. San Diego was, was shutting them down. Leonard Fournette was held to 17 carry, 33 yards on 17 carries, no touchdowns. Um, yeah, Blake Bortles actually outran him, 34 yards on five carries. Uh, 11 carries, uh, I'm sorry, 11 yards on three carries for TJ Yeldon and one carry for a yard for Chris Ivory. Um, Blake Bortles had that one touchdown drive and also two just very textbook Blake Bortles interceptions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes. Alan Hearns had his seven catches, 70 yards, had a solid day. Keelan Cole, 61 yards receiving. Marquise Lee also had uh, had that touchdown pass, uh, the touchdown catch, 55 yards and six catches. Um, on the defensive side of things, of course, as Jay, you mentioned there, we, of course, had uh, Boye with that big time with that big time interception late now one thing that's kind of surprising here if i'm reading this correctly no sacks right guys i, I don't think there were any sacks for the defense mm-hmm. no nah, i don't think it was any sacks no. on the um I, even though like when you look at the film though it, it could have been like i mean yeah Bortles stunk up the fourth quarter but i don't know man joey bosa and, and melvin ingram they had to have like 10 pressures like yeah, it felt like ten pressures a piece, but <laughs> maybe ten pressures together. Those two, they carved up uh, Josh Wells, who, as we all know, that's the backup swing tackle that played in the place of Parnell. And and I mean, apparently, like just from what I'm getting or what I've been reading, Omame wasn't a hundred percent. So you know that probably had something to do with it. And then you look at Cam Robinson, who's been pretty solid throughout. He kind of struggles. So you know, it, was, it wasn't the best day for the offensive line, man. Yeah, they gave up three sacks. I just pulled up stat line. They gave up three sacks, and Saxonville had nothing, surprisingly. Yeah, but I mean, but granted, I mean, defense still still played a played a solid game. Definitely kept us in it. Um, but the the biggest thing, uh, it, uh, one one of the things um, that I, I mentioned, Blake Bortles had that one touchdown drive. Where I don't know if, what you guys think, but I I even saw other people on Twitter saying this that that was maybe Blake Bortles best drive ever as a Jaguar yeah I mean I I agree I agree I mean you look at the reads he made and like he gets into those types of rhythms we've seen it on multiple occasions this year but not to that extent in terms of a full drive and he just he just 
honed in, man, and, and it just goes to show you, man, like, when he's on, he's on, as I've said plenty of times, and then when he's off, man, you, you got something to worry about, so, I mean, it's a little bit of a gift and a curse, because, you know, for fans, we can't predict it, but at the same time, like, the 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 opposition can't predict it as well, so, like, they don't know what Blake Bortles they're gonna be up against, and, you know, sometimes it, it can help you out, and, and it did clearly in this situation against the Chargers. Yeah, I, I was sitting there watching that, and I was just ready to tweet. I'm like, and I got to delete this now because Bortles is performing. Got to delete <laughs> this tweet. I'm like, all right, Blake. And then he went right back to himself later in the game, and I was like, and go to my drafts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good explanation of Blake Bortles. He's just, uh, you know, he just makes you delete and edit and retweet tweets. I mean, stuff that you said before, and when you think he's going to prove you wrong, he just, like I said, reverts back, back to – to Blake Bortles, and that's one of the things we discussed with Ian Rappaport that you guys will hear a little bit later uh, later on here in, in the show. Um, but one of the great things that was uh, um, that was nice, you know, for for whatever reason, the Chargers have just owned Jacksonville. So, uh, um, I, I can't remember what the exact record was, but it has not been. They have Jaguars have not had very much success against them whatsoever. Um, of course, Gus Bradley, the defensive coordinator, a friend of ours, uh, um, Jay, he got, I was actually talking to Gage uh, after the game, and he said, "You know what? I'm not sure what I expected. That was probably the most Gus Bradley way to lose a football game. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> he, he came back, and uh, that, that was a pretty accurate statement. I had to agree with. Him. I thought that was pretty good. But they beat Gus Bradley, the referees, and also their own mistakes." Um, you know, you guys touched a little bit on the referees. I mean, what, what, what the heck was going on yesterday or yesterday? It's Wednesday now. Well, what the heck was going on on Sunday? <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know, man. That Tashawn Gibson one really kind of got under my skin. And somebody on Twitter was like, you know, well, it's over with and the Jags won. So, you know, for, forget about it. And I mean, to me, like, if they give the Jags that touchdown, Alan Hearns don't get hurt. You see what I'm saying? So, like, it's, it right. was a lot of crucial, crucial mistakes that that ruled in the Chargers' favor that, you know, ultimately, yeah, that's something that kept them in the game as well. So, you know, it went so much that the Chargers played super good. I mean, they, they weren't that good aside from Austin Eckler, in my opinion. And I mean, the defense, of course. But they did get some help from the referees on that. And it was some other questionable calls that, that I can't you know think of right now but that one especially with the Gibson one because I didn't see anybody touch him when I looked at the replay I don't know if they did or or what they saw and what kind of angle they had but in my opinion that should have been ruled a touchdown uh yeah ACC Ross were working overtime because my god that is some of the worst officiating I've seen since an ACC game (laughs) and on that fumble the only person that touched him from every camera angle I saw was, was number 78. Teammate? No, 78 for the Chargers touched oh. him. But at that point, he was already standing. Mm-hmm. He was already up, vertical. No other part of him was on the ground except for his feet. Even the even the team, the commentary team, said the, the exact same thing. Right. So, I guess ACC refs needed to get that little extra OT check in. It was like, hey, we'll go to Jacksonville, so... Yeah, you know, we'll it, it. it reminded yeah. me of that Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. Y'all ever seen that? Where like they extend a game to like overtime for, so for Wild Wing purposes. Yeah. yeah, with the little the guy that got the buttons behind the bar and whatnot. That's what that felt like to me. Like, hey, let's extend this game some more and get somebody some free football. I don't I don't know what was up with that though. To be honest with you, 
It was bad. Yeah, uh, luck. Yeah, luckily they were able to. They were able to overcome that. And one of the main reasons, of course, is we already talked about the defense um, neutralizing Philip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, all limited uh, in during during the game. Um, one thing I don't see here that uh, wanted to discuss. They 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 did it again, guys. They pulled out that fake punt. But this time it <laughs> was uh, it was at a point it was at a point in time where it actually mattered, not up forty four to nothing or whatever it was <laughs> against Baltimore. Uh, you, you know, you kind of wondered at that time why even run that play, and uh, you know, they're like you, you think to yourself, man, now they can't do it again the rest of the season. But nope, they they went for it, <laughs> and it resulted in that fifty six yard touchdown. Uh, by Corey Grant and special teams has played a big part of this team this year. I and mean, last week with Mickens, this week uh, or well, two weeks ago with Mickens, last week with Corey Grant, Josh Lambeau, as I mentioned before, top five greatest Jaguar of all time already. <laughs> um, so, what do you guys? Uh, I mean, we didn't have this uh, initially in the uh, the outline here, but man, special teams um, it's been pretty pretty damn special the last couple of weeks. Oh man, my question is. Can we do it three times in a row? Like I see now, looking at it Sunday, I see why they ran it when they were up thirty-seven nothing in London, just to see if, and hey, you know, let's just see if this works. It's a good time to test it out because we might need it later. And sure enough, but uh, no way they pulled that off three times in a row, right? They, you know, challenge what? They accepted. <laughs> they could because <laughs> I felt like the Chargers kind of knew about it because one guy almost made the tackle. I forgot who it was and who picked him up. But somebody actually touched Corey Grant before he reached the first down marker, if I'm not mistaken, when I look back at the film. So, they like, I felt like they were somewhat expecting it. It was just, dude, so fast, man. Like, he got the nickname Tail Lights for a reason in Auburn. And that's because, yeah, you know you know what I'm saying? You always seeing him from the rear view. <laughs> I mean, when you're trying to catch him down. So, dude's fast, man. Like, and... I don't know, like I as as to could they do it again? I don't know, but I would like to see them do it again. Well, Cleveland, get ready because uh, Corey Grant might just be running by you again. <laughs> no, no punting against Cleveland. I say just go for it the whole game. Just forget it, man. Just treat it like a game of Madden. Just do whatever you want. I I say. And speaking um, of that, though, Phil, with Overton out, everybody know that's the long snapper, of course. With Overton out, I was thinking about like. You know, would Doug Marone like consider that just not punting or not kicking any extra points because, right. you know, that that's a risk, man. But they had uh, who was it, Bohannon or Tyler Shatley? I think it was on. Um, it was Shatley. I, think, I think they took turns. I think both of yeah. them. Yeah, Bohannon did the punt. Now that I think about it, and Shatley did the um did the kick uh, the extra points. So yeah, I was like, man, let's just pull a Pittsburgh Steelers and go for two point conversions all game. You know, now that that happened, but. Um, hey, big time shout outs to Shatley, though. Like I said in the tweet, man, they need to pay Shatley again, even though they gave him an extension and whatnot. Because, I mean, had it not been for them, uh, for him, at least, uh, they might have lost that one. And he's been solid or decent, should I say, in terms of filling in for Brandon Linder at center and, and filling in at guard at times. So shout outs to um, my man Tyler Shatley. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd be okay with that. I'd definitely be okay with with that mindset against Cleveland. You know, no punting, no punting, no extra points. Just do want do do whatever you want. You know, it's, it's a, <laughs> just, just just don't lose. That's all we ask. Yeah, just don't, just don't lose. lose. Right, right. Y'all heard the advice Bortles gave uh, to Sean Kaiser. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> and what do you say? Like, be aware of who's on your team or something like that? Yeah, make sure you throw it to your team. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Blake just does that. Yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> Maybe Blake was taking a shot at himself. He was. I think he was because he was yeah. laughing. He was laughing himself, like when he said it. So even though everybody in the background was probably starting. like, so yes. What, do we even know if he's starting or didn't? Did they change quarterbacks again? No, I think he's going to ride it out for the season. Yeah, I think they're going to. God bless his soul. I thought he got hurt. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he I got a rib injury, so that'll be worth watching. But he says he's going to play, according to him. So we'll see. Well, here lies Deshaun Kaiser. Date of death. Yeah. Sunday, November nineteenth. Cause of death, Saxonville. <laughs> I just have this um what was how was it not another teen movie where like that guy gets tackled in half and like he gets ripped apart? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie, dude. Calais Campbell and Yannick and Gakwe. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, John. Sorry, Deshaun. I mean, we're not going to get too much into it, but like when when the top top quarter one of the top quarterback prospects coming out of college says if, if the Browns have the number one pick, he may come back to school. Then, you know, it's yeah, yeah it's man. yeah, it's bad. It's like Tashawn Gibson said, man, it's yep, yeah. Don't nobody want to go there, man. And he hated for the people there, and I I feel their pain. <laughs> yep. But anyway, so well, well, you know, those were some of the uh, some of the wins as far as the game, and also AJ Boy having that that uh, that clutch interception to to essentially close out the game. I, I think he probably would have scored the touchdown had he not waved his damn arms in the air. Right? <laughs> I think he just kept running. I mean, he probably would have scored. You know, he was happy because if you look at that interception, that was clearly a frustration pick. Like he snatched that away, and he was like, "Look." I got stuff to do. We shouldn't be <laughs> out here right now. I'm trying to go home. Right. Give me this. I'm taking this back. And then Phillip Rivers truck sticked him at the two yard line. <laughs> oh man. But uh still yeah, coming up coming up big, man. What a what a great great pickup he's been. And um and as far as you know, of course there were there were some negatives. It wasn't the cleanest win, as we already mentioned. Uh the run game the run game really struggled. Do, do you guys think there was a specific reason why? Um I'm not wasn't too up on you know how the Chargers were doing this season, but mm. it seemed like with especially with Fournette coming back after the injury and the suspension, he was primed for a big game, and it just didn't happen. What do you guys think happened? I feel like it was a couple of things because one, I feel like they were still punishing Fournette. There's no way with Fournette healthy, Ivory healthy, Yeldon healthy, and Corey Grant, all four running backs played. There's no way you passed the ball 51 times, even if you're not getting anything. Also, I remember the announcers made mention that the Patriots basically did the same thing when they played the Chargers. They abandoned the run, too. But this is a run defense that gives up 135 yards a game. So numbers lie. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, I didn't understand that. And like, that's part of the reason a lot of people will critique me for this. And, you know, they're going to say stuff about this. But that's a lot of reason why I don't like I don't put the the meltdown from Bortles in the fourth quarter, even though he did throw the picks on him, because like if you're the coaching staff, if you're Nathaniel Hackett or Doug Marone, like what did you expect to happen if you make Blake Bortles throw the ball 52 times? You know what I'm saying? Like he's regardless of how that third quarter went and the drives that he put together, he's at the end of the day, he's still Blake Bortles. And when you get him to throwing over 30, 30 uh, attempts a game, you asking a little bit too much of them, and I mean, like this is a team that, as you'll hear in the the um, interview with Ian Rappaport, everybody has a role. Everybody knows their role, 
And Blake Bortles' role on this team has never, since the season began, been to throw the ball 51 times. Like, that's just ridiculous. So when he started throwing the picks, I'm like, you know, yeah, that's his fault. But at the same time, what did y'all expect? You know, and why are we throwing the ball this much with Fournette, who supposedly is healthy? I mean, maybe he's not. I don't know what the deal with that is. But with him on the sidelines and Ivory on the sidelines, as as Jacob said, Corey Grant, TJ Yeldon, just didn't understand that at all. Now, I don't know if you heard anything about this, Jay, but I had heard a report, and maybe it was on Twitter or maybe it was on, on during the broadcast, that Fournette had come out of the locker room late at a halftime, and that's why he didn't play <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Did you guys hear that? No, but just watching it, it just seemed like they were punishing Fournette for something. Yeah. Like, I don't know if it was a carryover from the mistreatment and team photo incident, but it just didn't make sense because everything you saw, he looked healthy. He just wasn't getting yardage, but he's a back that wears on you. Right. So in fourth quarter, why don't you just turn around, hand off left, pitch right, and call it a day? But mm-hmm. And I again, some if- of it was, uh, like I said, it wasn't just Fournette and his situation and, and whatever happened in the locker room, but the the offensive line ain't blocked good at all, in my yeah. opinion. So that probably had something to do with it, too. Yeah, well, it was, like I said, it was the first time they had had all four running backs active and Unfortunately, they just didn't really do do much other than Corey Grant on that on that fake punt. But uh, uh, also, as you already touched on just a moment ago, uh, Joey Bosa and Ingram were just dominating the offensive line. Um, Blake Bortles looked pretty solid for three quarters, and then Bortled it up. I don't know what else to say. Uh, that's, you know, that's pretty much what happened. But you know, I think it's it's nice to uh, to see them pull out. A close win like this was was really good, and you know you can even make an argument they they ha- they absolutely should have won the Jets game earlier in the year, and you know we're we're seven and two with some of the other other teams in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, a win is a win, so we will we will absolutely absolutely take it. Um, now, one thing uh, you know we'll, we'll move on really from from last week's game. Something that was that came up uh, earlier in the week. Some comments from Rex Ryan. They were having a roundtable discussion about who is going to be the biggest threat to the Patriots in the AFC. And Rex Ryan, you know, rattling off a couple of the, you know, the the normal names, the the Kansas Cities, the Pittsburghs of the world. He stated that he believes that Rex, <laughs> he believes that the Jaguars are the biggest threat to the Patriots based off their play style. What do you guys think about those comments, uh, uh, Jay? I think you said, you know, you said some. Pretty much exactly something similar earlier in the year. What do you think? Jaguars biggest threat to the Patriots? I don't know if they're necessarily the biggest threat, but I think you know when you look at the matchups, it's a favorable one. I won't say favorable one, but it's one that you could. If the Jaguars won that game, you could certainly see why, because they they're built to counter teams like the Patriots. They're built to counter Tom Brady, and that I don't know if that's by design or whatever. But and and another thing to take into account is Doug Marone was a head coach in that division with them, if I'm not mistaken. Is are the Buffalo Bills in that same division? Yep, same division. Yeah, so he he knows them very well. He he knows their personnel and and whatnot. So, you know, that being said, like I mean, you look at how teams beat the Patriots, and one of the games that come to mind is um I forget when it was, but it was like a super snowy game in recent history where the Broncos beat them. But you look at how the Broncos beat the Patriots in that game. And, you know, it wasn't because of quarterback play because they had Brock Osweiler playing. 
I mean, basically, it was because they ran the ball well, uh, and they they stopped the Patriots' own defense. They you know they got him Tom Brady's face. They pressured him, and as we all know, he can't move that well at this age. But he, he still got that arm. So I mean, you got to get there. You got to get there quick, and that's what the Jaguars specialize in. And then I mean, not to mention their defensive backs are probably the best in the league. So I think it it, it would be a pretty good, or should I say, an interesting matchup to see the Jaguars face the Patriots at any point in the playoffs if they made it. Yeah, I agree with you. If I'm like if I'm raking everybody in the AFC on confidence against going into Foxborough and Gillette and beating uh Brady and Belichick, I'll probably go Steelers, Chiefs, one A, one B, and then the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Simply because when it turns January, late December and it starts snowing, we're built to run the ball. Right. Because there's two ways there's three ways to beat New England. As a Ravens fan, I've seen this over the years. You either have a stellar defense and just knock Brady around all day. Jacksonville has that. You have a solid running game. Jacksonville's proven they can run the ball. And the third one is you have elite quarterback play. Not putting my money on Blake to go in there and be like <laughs> Flacco. I don't see Blake having a Flacco. He'll he'll pull an Osweiler and just manage. Right. If that's possible with Fournette running. I can see why Rex said that's a tough matchup for the Patriots. Mm-hmm. And I mean, people forget Rex Ryan. You know, he he's a guy that's played the Patriots on numerous occasions and given them a run for their money with the Jets. So and the and, Bills in the yeah, regular season and the Bills exactly. So I mean, I think he he how many times I think he has, has a he playoff beaten? win? I'm finna actually look it up right now. Okay, I'm not sure on his record in terms of of beating the Patriots, but he's had success. Patriots, right one of, during one of those AFC championship runs, then when they won like a couple years in a row, I believe they went through New England one they of those years. Have. They may have, but the bottom line is Rex Ryan has concocted some great game plans against the Patriots, and basically that game plan is it fits the mold of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It fits the mold of of Doug Marone. The only difference is Doug Marone. You know, of course, they run a four three here. But, I mean, pretty much the same concept is, you know, run the ball, beat up on Brady, or, as Jacob said, you know, have elite quarterback play, which, you know, we don't have. A lot of teams don't have that. But, you know, I, I think that it would be an interesting matchup, personally. I'm seeing at one point the Patriots were 9-4 and four against Rex. But I think some of those wins were very uh, – this was in September 2015. But Rex had – Wins when it mattered against the Patriots mm-hmm. or when they weren't supposed to get them. So Rex and all those games have been relatively close right. with a few exceptions. I wonder, has he ever beaten him with Mark Sanchez? Now that if he did, kudos to him. Want to say yes. <laughs> I think he yeah, might have. If too. it was during that, during that AFC championship run where they went like a few mm-hmm. years in a row, it had to have been. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, remember the the, the undefeated year. Uh, I don't know how well you remember it, Jay, but that game, um, you know, Dennis Northcutt catches a pass and a couple of the things go their way. Then you know, who knows what would have happened at that at that point. Um, but I, I would I would definitely like to see that see that matchup and be and have the Jaguars, this young upstart team, you know, full full of confidence, just be able to try and try and make their mark. So we'll, we'll definitely see. I, I just hope we're not talking, getting too ahead of ourselves. I was telling you earlier, Jay, I got an email today about Jaguar playoff packages. And I'm like, my God, do not. <laughs> <drink> these, please <laughs> just out the season. 
Um, I actually was just going through uh, Time Hop not too long ago, and there was a sorry to bring this up, Jacob, but it was the uh, it was a couple years ago where the Jaguars went into Baltimore and and Jason Myers kicked a game winning field goal, and we were three and six. And people were so excited because they were still right in the middle of that division. Yeah, right. Divisional. Yeah. I think the Colts were like four and four and four or something like that, four and five, and there the division was wide open for the taking, and they they couldn't get it done. But yeah, it was like eight so eight won the division. Yeah, about a three and six football team, you know. And look look at us now. So, well, hey, we'll and, uh, definitely see what happens. And yes, Rex has beat Belichick and Brady in New England. With uh, Sanchez as his quarterback, twenty ten. There you go. That's, that would explain. Possible. Yeah, that would explain exactly why he think the Jaguars can win. It's a it's a valid point. Valid point. But yeah, man. So uh, you know, we're, what we're going to get into next is just one to uh, Jay. I'm going to have you do it. Just just set up this uh, this Ian Rappaport uh, conversation we had earlier today. So, yeah, um, to kind of segue into it, you know, as we just talked about with the Jags and, and the Patriots, you know, we talked about the Jaguars and their improvements they made and possibly going on a playoff run with Ian uh, Rappaport, NFL insider. And here is exactly how that conversation went. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jags Den podcast. As you all are aware, uh, we have a special guest today, as we announced on Twitter and on Facebook in NFL Network Insider, Ian Rappaport. Uh, As you all know, we've had him on in the past when we were with Sports Grind Daily back before USA Today. Uh, You know, had some tech issues, but we worked through it. And uh, Ian was kind enough to join us once again. Uh, So uh, that being said, Ian, how are you? And uh, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm doing well this morning. How are you guys doing? Good. Can't complain, man. Uh, glad to have you and uh, glad to get some uh, insider's information or, or some information from an insider's perspective on what the Jags are doing right now. So um, that being said, we're going to just cut right into things. And um, my first question, of course, and uh, before I get to that question, I want to plug Ian real quick. As you all know, he's an NFL Network insider that you can follow at Rap Sheet on Twitter, and you can also catch him on NFL Network's Game Day Morning, which starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And as for the uh, first question I have, it's on the Jags front office, and, and for so long they've kind of been like the laughing stock of the league, if you will, Ian. And uh, one of your former comrades, actually, Michael Lombardi, is somebody who's kind of been critical on them and, and Tom Coughlin and, and Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell and what they're doing, especially with sticking with Bortles. Uh, so that being said, um, now that they're winning and now that they have Coughlin's presence in that front office, uh, you know, what's the league wide perception on them now that they they actually are translating in terms of what they've built? And now that they have somebody like Coughlin in that front office. Yeah, it is interesting, you know, to see how the perception can change the as the winds kind of uh, rack up and, and as people start to see, like, all right, these guys kind of know what they're doing. And, um, you know, I think you mentioned Coughlin, and obviously, you know, his presence generated a lot of headlines and, and probably has gotten a lot more praise for the organization than it, it did before. And, and I don't want to minimize things because, you know, I like the, the hire and I like the move, and I, I think – you know, eventually it's going to pay dividends. Uh, what's interesting for me is, 
you know, I'm not sure that a ton really changed, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, I mean, to me, the most important thing they did was hire Doug Marone. Right. And, you know, anyone watching the last two games, I don't know how many people were actually watching the last two games of the season for the Jaguars, um, but anyone watching could see that something was different. I mean, the players played different. Um, they just, they looked like, you know, Blake kind of looked like someone who kind of knew what he was doing and, and understood his role. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, much more Alex Smith game manager type than someone who's going to go out and just throw it around and win it for him. Um you know, and they've, they've had some key selections. Uh, you know, Fournette, obviously, the acquisition of Calais Campbell was, well, I thought that contract was crazy, but it's probably going to end up being a bargain. Um, you know, those sorts of things. Um, you know, Coughlin was important, but to me, you know, those acquisitions and then the hire of Marone probably did more than anything, you know, to put this team finally on the right track after years of kind of being almost there. Right, right. And I don't mean to cut you off, Phil, but you mentioned something in there, Ian, that I wanted to, to clarify. You said you don't think all that much change. And and we've been trying to stress that in terms of on our, uh, you know, our website and whatnot. But would you say that basically, mm-hmm. you know, Coughlin still or should I say Dave Caldwell is pretty much still the general manager of that office and, and the duties that he had before is pretty much as is, you know, Coughlin didn't really change all that much in terms of a structure is what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I mean, you know, the main difference is just a little bit of a sense of urgency from the people in the building. And they sense it, you know. Mm-hmm. There's there's a little more accountability. There's people who, you know, maybe you show up to work a little earlier. You kind of put in a couple more hours. It's just a little more tense. Um, you know, there's just, a, you know, maybe just a, a little bit more of an edge to the place with Coughlin being there. And, and you know, there are uh, – everything is handled a certain way. You know, no one speaks out of turn, for instance. You know, Leonard Fournette misses a, a practice and a workout, or right. misses, a, I'm sorry, a workout and a treatment, and, you know, immediately gets benched. You know, might that have happened last year? I don't know. Um, so I think there's some things different. But to me, you know, the hire of Marone probably did more than anything to say, like, all right, things are, you know, th- things are going to be different from what they were. And, you know, the Jaguars didn't have to make the hire. They could have easily, you know, said, all right, you know, Marone's not a very exciting, you know, I don't think anybody was excited with the hire. I don't think anyone said, wow, the Jaguars have finally turned the corner. They hired Marone. Um, he's never going to win the press conference. He didn't even do a great job in his introductory press conference. Mm-hmm. He just does a very good job coaching the football team. Um, he did it in Buffalo. He's doing it here. Um, and I think it's going to end up being a fantastic hire. Couldn't agree more, man. Perfect. Well, well, next, uh, Ian, here, this is this is Phil here. So um, one thing that we would love to ask you about and and us, the three of us here have not been above being pretty critical on Blake Bortles. And he's kind of a a lightning rod in, in the city in in, in in Jacksonville. There was a rumor um, before the season that Tom Coughlin wasn't high on him even before taking the executive job. From your insider's knowledge, did you get any kind of vibe and do you believe at any point that they maybe tried to move on from him in the draft. There were whispers of Trubisky and, and Watson, or maybe even looked into bringing somebody in at the trade deadline. Uh, trade deadline, no. I definitely did not get that sense. Um, yeah, I don't think Coughlin was sold on him. Um, and I, don't, I mean, not to sound flippant, but like, why would he be? Right. You know, Blake was a top five pick 
who did nothing to earn his status, who didn't seem to understand kind of his place in the organization, his role in the offense, and, and you know, played well in, in garbage time, but but certainly made too many mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the way Coughlin approaches things is you just got to earn it. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think he was a huge Bortles guy before he got here. Um, and I'm not sure that, you know, Blake is in a position where he's definitely going to be the franchise quarterback either. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's okay. It's Everyone has a role on the team, right? So if right. Florida's had to prove it to Coughlin a little bit, if he had to show them that he – remember, I mean, he was fighting for his job as recently as, you know, the third and fourth preseason game. So I don't think anybody was completely sold on him. Um, it doesn't mean he's not the right quarterback for the team. It doesn't mean he can't lead him to the playoffs. All right. Definitely. definitely. All right, guys. Gotcha. Uh, this is Jacob here, Ian. While we're on the subject of the offense, Allen Robinson is possibly a potential free agent come next season, and he's also going to be coming off a torn ACL. The team could franchise him, but that tag would roughly net him about $16 million a year. So if you had to guess, what do you think they'll do about the situation? Because the receiving core needs a key receiver, which Allen Robinson, when the healthy, is. And also, do you get the vibe from Robinson in his camp that he wants to stay a Jaguar? Well, you know, first of all, um, the most important thing is Allen Robinson needs to do his rehab. So before we know anything, you know, we need to find out how his rehab's going. Well, let's assume that it's, you know, an AC, I mean, honestly, like it sounds, it's major, it's season ending. Um, ACL surgery is not what it used to be. So, you know, teams have a lot of confidence in guys returning from that now. It's not, you know, this is not 10 years ago. So I don't think that should be a problem. Um, however, you know, let's say they let him go for nothing, which I can't imagine. Well, let's say it happens. Well, then, you know, do teams usually, do building good teams let playmaking, you know, and Allen Robinson's a good person. He's not, oh, never got the sense he's a problem in any form or fashion, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly not someone bad in the locker room. I mean, there's just, not, there's nothing bad about him. Um, teams don't let good players walk. So I would have a hard time believing anything's going to happen besides, you know, them trying to work out a long-term deal. Uh, and maybe there's an opening there, especially because he's injured, um, or just franchising him and saying, you know, you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna make sure he doesn't leave, and we'll figure it out later. Um, because you know, the receiving core is gonna need some help. They're gonna try to sign a really good one, um, and the kind of guy they'd try to sign would be just like the guy they already have. Right, makes sense. Yeah, that make a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, I mean, I certainly would like to see Allen Robinson back with the team and um, whoever their future franchise quarterback is, because they can really make a run uh, next year, depending on you know how how things go. Yeah, that's one of the things. Like you know, the the core, the young core of this defense. Mm-hmm. Um, this this could be something where, you know, you could see the Jaguars being really good in the mix for I don't know five years right seven years i mean all those high draft picks are playing well now so you get the quarterback right this could be really something yeah yeah i feel you on that like they i do feel like they have a window to to make a you know super bowl run run or 
you know, multiple playoff runs, what have you. You know, it's just a matter yeah, of yeah. What, what they can do on offense. And, um, you know, time the will fans tell. fans are definitely ready for it, that's for sure. Oh, yes. What's that? <laughs> I said the fans are definitely ready for it, that's for sure. We it, it's, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a little while. Yep. And that would include all three of us. Uh, you, you better believe, bet your bottom dollar, if, if we did go to the Super Bowl, <laughs> we would find some way to get our, our tails there. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Minnesota, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Even if I got a drive from Georgia. Hey, it's, 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 it's been a long road, been a long road for Jaguars fans. But, you know, you're finally getting to the point where it's like, you know, it's all, all those high picks are going to pay off, which is a very good place to be. Right, right, right. So um, once again, everybody, as I said, we got Ian Rappaport on at Rap Sheet on Twitter. Um, You all can find him every Sunday on NFL Network's game day morning show, which starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, so, Ian, my next question is uh, it's actually quarterback related, too. And um, a few days ago, um, I think it was Sunday or Monday that you reported uh, you know, about Drew Brees' situation and how it was up in the air with the Saints mm-hmm. with his pending contract. Um, you know, he later came out to say uh, on some radio show, I forget which one it was, but uh, that, you know, he wants to stay in New Orleans, which has always been the case. But um, yeah. as we all know, that has to be mutual. The Saints have to want him as well. So, um, you know, if he didn't resign with the Saints or they didn't uh, attempt to resign him, could you see him like playing elsewhere? And, I mean, as we know, you know, Doug Marone was one of his former coaches with the Saints. Uh, you know, right. do, do you think, like, the Jacksonville Jaguars could be a destination for him? And um, also, you know, could you just talk about yeah, the, right. the like, the pending free agent market in terms of quarterbacks as well, briefly? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, with, with Breeze, um, I don't know if he's playing anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, my understanding and something I reported on, on Sunday was um, he's told people close to him that he doesn't want to play anywhere else. And he came out on the radio and, and said as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, you know, what what the Saints would do because obviously some of it is contractual. You know, is he going to want $25 million a year at 39, you know, for an offense that is now run-based? Well, if that's the case, that is going to be tough. You know, is he going to sort of take a Peyton Manning-style late career pay cut that would might change things a little bit. Um, so I think there's, there's obviously, you know, a lot that still needs to happen and be figured out. Um, but I do know that he doesn't want to play anywhere else. And as far as the rest of them, you know, there's some, some pretty decent names out there. I mean, I think the most important one to consider, um, is Kirk cousins. You know, is he going to be free or not? You know, is he going to be transition tags? I think that's a possibility, too. Um, you know, but that's probably the biggest name who could be available if the Redskins don't extend them long term. Right, right. That makes sense. Um, you know, I, I would think that, you know, I mean, you, you, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but you would think that they might try and get something done in terms of a deal, in terms of instead of, uh, you know, keep giving them the franchise tag, which, you know, just goes up tremendously every year so uh you know like you said time will tell man and we'll we'll see uh yeah while we're on the uh subject of quarterbacks and upgrading that position in do you see Kaepernick possibly returning to the league and honestly if he does looking at the state of the league of the quarterbacks now who do you see giving him a chance um 
I don't know. I mean, I guess it's possible he could return. You know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where it would be. I'm really not. I mean, it's been a long and difficult and trying year for Colin Kaepernick. Um, you know, obviously he has not found a home yet. Um, there was a couple of times I sort of thought it was going to happen, but then it just didn't end up happening. So, um, you know, someone is going to have to take a leap of faith if they're going to do it and deal with the, the criticism. You know, maybe next year, a year removed from it, it's a little easier. Um, but I just have not found that team yet that would do that. Gotcha. Uh, just to elaborate on that real quick, what do you think it'll take? Because we've seen a lot of quarterbacks go down. Do you think it's going to take another year of him being gone? Yeah, I mean, I think that would help. You know, if it was going to happen this year, I imagine it would have happened already. Gotcha. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I kind of wish it would, um, but it's not It's not my decision, and it's not where we are, unfortunately. So gotcha. I think, uh, I, you know, obviously this year, considering where, where you are in the league, uh, I'd be surprised if it happens. All right, sounds good. Well, Ian, uh, just the, the very last question we want to discuss with you, uh, kind of been an ongoing process. And looking at the, the recent NFL news, it appears that Jerry Jones is at odds with the NFL and some of the other owners, most notably Arthur Blank, over Roger Goodell's contract situation. Do you, do you have any sense of where uh, Jaguar owner Shad Khan sits in this feud? Do you know if he's pushing for Goodell's favor, or is he one of the owners like, like Jones that maybe wants a change? Uh, that one, uh, you know, I don't know specifically which owners, I don't know if Shad Khan, who he's behind and, you know, or, or kind of how it shakes out. You know, my understanding is the contract extension is expected to be done soon and finalized soon. Um, so I think that'll probably end the storyline pretty quickly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Jay, you want to close it out? Yeah. Ian, man, we, uh, once again, we appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, spending, uh, giving us a little bit of your time as, uh, this one went pretty fluid as opposed to the other ones, man. So, uh, nah. <laughs> uh, that being said, Ian, man, we, we appreciate your time. Appreciate you, uh, working with us. Uh, shout outs to Andrew as well, who, uh, who set this up as well. And, um, yeah, we're going, we're going to let you go on your way, man. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. Enjoyed it. No problem at all, hey. man. Thank you, thank you so much. Yep. Take care, man. All right. So, I mean, I think you guys can all agree. Uh, Ian and us are now best friends. Um, so, he, uh, totally. you know, Thanksgiving plans, holiday plans, all that kind of stuff. So um, yes. I want to share a funny story with you guys. Uh, we actually spoke with Ian um, a few years ago back when we were with, what was it, Sports Grind? Is that what it was, Jay? Or was we it? We did it two times. We did it when we were inside Edge Sports and we did it when we were Sports Grind Daily. Yeah. Well, one of the times we tried to do it live. And it was a disaster. So that's why we recorded it earlier for y'all and then played it back uh, because it just went horribly. So, um, but we really appreciate uh, appreciate Ian doing that for us. Of course, you know, follow him online on Twitter at at Rap Sheet. Um, but hey, we're gonna close it out. We have uh, another game up uh, coming up here this weekend against uh, against Cleveland. We do joke, but you know, we don't want to fall into some kind of trap and and overlook them. You know, moving to, we got to keep pace, of course, with Tennessee. So hopefully that'll that'll turn out well. And you know, just stay tuned to the Jaguars Wire for all the up to date news concerning the Jacksonville Jaguars. Gentlemen, go ahead and and you know, plug your your projects and where everyone can find you, and then we'll close this thing up. Yeah. Um. 
of course, I mean, as you all have seen, uh, I'm pretty much working on a lot of Browns-related posts. I just did um, three things to know about the Browns, just a little information on them. And um, I'm one of the people that I'm not underestimating the Browns, so I've done a lot of research on them, watched a lot of film on them. So expect expect a lot of Browns-related posts on uh, Jaguars Wire. And aside from that, um, pretty much that's it. I mean, I I might do a little bit of analysis on the uh, Tennessee and Steelers game tomorrow and uh, hopefully by that time we will be or tomorrow night hopefully we'll be atop the AFC South so um Jacob what you got man I'm just doing my usual covering the Jaguars still working on some stuff that I'm trying to be able to open my mouth about and as always make sure you follow me on Twitter that's at underscore J Della and also make sure you give the site a follow at the Jags Wire and make sure you give the podcast a follow too. And that's at Jags Den's podcast. Also, make sure you give Jay a follow. That's uh, at Sports Grind underscore Don. And last but definitely not least, make sure you follow our lovely host, Phil. And that's at Phil the Filipino. And Phil, you can spell Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> Filipino, that is uh, F I L I P I N O. So, uh, yeah, make sure that you guys. Give us a follow, and um, yeah, man. So we, we really appreciate it. Let's uh, we'll wrap this thing up, and you guys all have Jesus. <laughs> you guys all have a great rest of the week. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys stay safe, and we will see y'all next time. <laughs>